warm Thursday evening. You look to the right and you notice that you have a steaming glass of tea next to you. You take a sip of the tea and you realize it's eight, it's eight o'clock. And it's time. Time for entering the blue shirts. Entering the blue shirts. How are you guys doing? How are you guys doing? I hear an echo. That's how I'm doing. That's how I'm doing. I hear an echo too. Beth, did the echo you? Uh, it may be my air conditioner, and I'm uh, just a little stunned by our new intro, but that's that's fine. That's good. I don't know. I don't get an echo. Interesting. Oh, the echo seems to be gone now. Anywho, you are listening to Bantering the Blue Shirts. It is 8 o'clock on Thursday, and that means we are right here inside of your ear. Mike, Beth, you guys are also in the ears. How are you guys? I'm sick, but I'm okay. What, what do you have? I don't know. I'm seeing my doctor on Monday uh, because my girlfriend is making me because she's much wiser than I am. She's uh, much wiser yeah. than you are. I don't know. My tummy is just bothering me all the time now. I went for a bike ride yesterday and I threw up and that wasn't good. Oh my God. So, Why would you even announce that on the show? You've now already, the podcast has been ruined. It's eight Oh two. Well, we started off with the whole echo thing. And I you thought know I had what, a very seductive introduction. Oh, listen. Yeah, but it was ruined by the echo thing. Don't be afraid of your bodies, everyone. Sometimes <laughs> people throw up. Mike has already, already taken the turn that it did not need to. Um, I this got show is brought you, to you. What everyone did you say? Goes poop. Okay, everybody does you. poop. Everyone goes poop. You're right. Everybody does go poop. Um, this show is brought up. to you by Patreon. Patreon.com slash Blue Shirt Banter. Uh, this really isn't the best selling point since we're talking about fecal matter, but you can pay money that you earn to make this show better Patreon. for you. Um, yeah, Anthony Viola, Robert Courtney, Guy from Montana, Daniel DeGen, Eric Cohn, Matt Bader, George Lippman, Dan Lynch, Andrew Grigo, Stink Fleeman, John Reppy, Arch Williams, Igor Zetlovsky, Zachary Zetlin, Dan Carosi, Alexander Thornton, Thomas Osa, Trevor Kempner, and Michael Silvers have all done just that. And they get to hear their names right on the radio right after Mike talks about how everybody poops. So, yeah. Notice how Beth was mercifully silent during that entire exchange. Although poop is going to be a big part of my life soon because I'm going to have a daughter in about August, September, October, November, December. Five months. Five months away from fatherhood. Um, You know who else did something with a five? Mika Zibanejad did. He signed a five-year deal with his uh, new half-brother uh, agent that everybody was panicking about. That's goddamn right. You see that transition right there? That's what they pay me for, the people of Patreon. That was smooth. Yeah, goddamn right it was smooth. Um, Mika Zibanejad signed a contract. I got a little hairy there for a few minutes. Um, you know, we didn't know what was going on, whether or not he went into arbitration. Rick Carpinello, I think, reported that arbitration was going to go live at 9 a.m. At like 9.30, we didn't know anything. And then the next thing you knew, um, he had signed a five-year deal with the Rangers. So I think the word that's out there right now is the two sides totally avoided arbitration. You can go through the arbitration process. It takes 48 hours before a judge renders a verdict. And um, you can come to an agreement with a restricted free agent before that verdict is rendered. But once the verdict is rendered, it is what it is. So the Rangers got through it without any bad blood. Um, a lot of people like the contract. There's a lot of people who hate the contracts. There are a lot of people who think that Zibanejad needed to prove himself, which is something that I guess we can talk about. But Beth, I'm putting you on the spot first. What are your overall thoughts of this contract, what it means, um, and how happy are you that it's done? 
I'm happy that it's done. Um, I am glad I wasn't right about arbitration, although we were right on the brink oh, there, yeah. I guess. That, that's a good point before that you continue. Right. Beth is the, she is the Oracle of Calamities. That is her new name. For whatever reason, she has like this ability to foretell horrific incidents that will occur in the future. She knew that Game 5 was going to go to overtime against Montreal, and she knew that things were going to get hairy with Zaman and Jed in arbitration. So Beth is the Oracle of Calamities. That is all that I needed to say. You can continue your point. I predicted Brady Shea's first goal, too. That's why he didn't get licked. I, it's not all calamity. But that That's was bad for us, we, too. We wanted him to be licked. <laughs> okay, now I think our allegiances are getting a little bit suspect. But, um, they may be, but go on. Yay for him. Yay for his half-brother, who people were concerned about. Um, I thought he came out of that so well that I thought I was reading it wrong at first, actually. Um, so I'm happy. I imagine he's thrilled, and I think it was a good idea for the Rangers, even though, I mean, I guess we knew they'd go that high, right? Even though they'd said, what, uh, 4.1 when the numbers came out? Originally, well, that was just their ask. So both teams go into arbitration with an ask. Zibanejad yeah. obviously goes on the high end of the ask. The Rangers go on the low end. And I'm going to say 99% of the time, the arbitrator literally just splits the difference. So I don't know what the point is of actually going through arbitration in the first place. But that's a good point because you'd think if Zibanejad was asking for 5.35, he wouldn't get 5.35. Um but he did. I have a theory about that, but I won't cut you off. Continue. No, no. Go ahead with your theory, because that's, that's really all. I just remember being uh, glad they cleared it up, but also uh, pretty stunned that he got, essentially, um, pretty much what he asked for, right? Or did he yeah, ask for I, higher than that? No, no, no. That's Six? exactly what he asked for. And it, yeah. the reality of the situation is, uh, if there was any truth to the reality of Mika Zibanejad wanting a shorter deal so that he would be able to sign or maybe move himself to restricted or unrestricted free agency, then to become an unrestricted free agent, he needed a two-year deal. I think the Rangers dragged him to arbitration, requested a one-year deal because he'd still be a restricted free agent at the end of it. And the Rangers were saying, if we're going to get you for one or two years, you are going to get a crap contract because we're going to pay on the back end for it. So the Rangers went in at 4.1. I think when they realized that Zibanejad's ask was only 5.35, they looked at each other and said, hey, if that's all he wants and we can make a long-term deal out of it, so be it. And that's what I think happened. I can't imagine the Rangers didn't know, not necessarily where he stood, but I really do think there was the, the tension of the deal was that he wanted that shorter contract to get to unrestricted free agency faster. And once he saw that the Rangers were willing to give him what he wanted, he was happy to sign on for five years. Mike, your thoughts? I think the big thing was that I think everyone got nervous because, you know, Brooksy was saying that it was heading there to arbitration and uh, it was this kind of, you know, oh no, you know, a two-year deal is, it's not the end of the world because no matter what happened, he was going to be a ranger for at least a year or two more um, and almost certainly at least two years. But going to arbitration is not 
a good way to build a relationship with a guy who right now is the only legitimate top six center on the team. Um, so it felt spooky because of that. But this deal, you know, we talked about, uh, I think you and I especially talked about, you know, just give him the, uh, give him the Derek Broussard deal. And this is kind of right in that vein. I mean, it's a little bit more, I think even you were saying, you know, something like, throwing him another 200 or 300 K a year, just, just because of New York and everything. And the fact that he is the, the only guy here now. So um, <laughs> it's right, right within like coloring inside the lines of what we thought would be fair. And it works for Mika. It works for the Rangers. So I think it's a great deal. It's, it's exciting because right now, you know, the, the hard, you know, cutthroat analytical view of his production and what he does is that he's very, very comfortably, you know, an exceptional second line center compared to, um, you know, a lot of the best players, like according to Mika Blake McCurdy's um, hockey viz data, you know, he's, he's a great player now and he's 24. um, And, you know, he turned 24 in April. So, I don't think we got to see the best of him, uh, obviously, because he had the big injury and then he had to come back from that big injury. And, you know, you don't expect a guy to develop dramatically between, you know, like 24 and 25 years old, but this is a part of his career where, you know, he's going to be the guy in New York. And if he can be a 60, 65 point guy, which we have every sign that that's within his capability and only carry a 5.35 cap hit. It's perfect. It's, it's absolutely palatable and it works for works for the Rangers long-term. One of the main arguments that I make about this contract, because again, there are a lot of people who are very unhappy with it and I don't know why Zibanejad is a 50 point player right now. He's been a 50-point player before. He was on pace for more than 50 points last year. I think last year he was on pace for close to 60 before the injury. That doesn't count the fact of the games that he needed to get back into game shape after he returned from the injury. So if he plateaus as a 50-point player, he is worth that contract. 50-point guys, especially centers, <clears throat> excuse me, get that type of money. This is not some type of like bizarre, oh my God, we don't know what's going to happen. This isn't like maybe signing a guy like Kreider or Miller right off their entry-level contract to a five-year, $5 million deal. This is about the Rangers taking an educated guess that at the very worst, Zibanejad will be worth the contract he signed. And at the very best, if Zibanejad turns into a 70-point player, which maybe it's being a little forward, maybe I'm being optimistic, but damn, the guy has the tools to do it. He's only 24 years old. This becomes a steal of a contract. Some of the best work Glenn Sather did was when he took risks. When he signed Ryan McDonough instead of bridge dealing him to the long-term deal, it's one of the best contracts the Rangers had and have, I guess, in a lot of ways. You know, the Benoit Pouillat um, risk, some of those second chances, the Sean Avery stuff, when, when Sather stepped away from the, this is the way that I've always done it, this is the way that I'm always going to do it, he was at his best. I mean, I guess you could insinuate that that was some of the mistakes he made as well, but for Jeff Gordon to step away from that opportunity and for him to say, you know what, Zibanejad has shown us enough. I'm not just going to sit here and give him a show me deal because it's going to hurt us on the back end. It makes a lot of sense. It really does. And if it gets to the point where Zibanejad 
maybe levels out as a 60 to 65 point player, I don't think anybody's going to complain. Last year, Derek Stepan was tied for 30th in the NHL in terms of centers with 55 points. A 55-point center is a number one center. Like it or not, that's the way that, that you have to rule it. If you're in the top 30 centers, you're a number one center. Every single team is a number one center. That's not to insinuate that he's an elite center. That's not to insinuate that he is a, a maybe highest of the end centers. We're not comparing him to Crosby or Malcolm. But that is what a top-line center gets. That is what a top-six center gets. And to be upset at, like, Mike brought up a good point last week. Zibanejad knew the Rangers needed him. The Rangers knew Zibanejad knew the Rangers needed him. And it has nothing to do with trading Derek Broussard away, although the score wrote, like, a hilarious article about how Derek Broussard was the reason why the Senators won the Zibanejad trade, which we can all read and laugh at if you want. I tweeted it out a couple of days ago if, you, uh, if you're so inclined. But... Zibanejad knew he had the Rangers. The, the Rangers traded away Derek Stepan to create the cap space needed to get Shattenkirk to keep him around. He knew the game. He could have been quite a bit more unreasonable. I don't know what would have happened if he would have been, but I think this deal works out for everybody. I really do. I don't see any downside from the Rangers standpoint. You can't call Zibanejad a guy who gets injured a lot. It was a freak injury. And if Zibanejad continues to grow the way that we think he can grow, if he turns into a 65-point player, you take this contract all day, every day, and you take it seven days a week or seven days a week and twice on Sunday or whatever the saying is, you know, I'm terrible with that stuff. <laughs> Which one of you laughed? I Wasn't... did because I was oh thinking of that video with, uh, with, uh, with uh, Hayes and Jimmy VC in which uh, Kevin Hayes says that uh, right now he's working out seven days a week or more. So, yeah. And yeah. I, I don't think he's joking. So See um, that? that I'm just as smart as Kevin Hayes. Maybe I'll get a, a big contract too. Um, Arvor Green says Savannah had 15 points in the 19 games before his injury, which was a 65-point pace. So, And that's on a brand-new team, and, and that's the other thing. We didn't even get to see Savannah had really play with the guys that he was really good with. We didn't see nope. the Pavel Buchnevich, Chris Kreider, Savannah had line until like once in the playoffs, and then that was the end of it. So hopefully that continues. But in the playoffs, I think you'd be hard-pressed to find a player who is more – consistent than Zibanejad was in terms of forwards. He led the team in scoring in the playoffs. you goddamn right he did. You are goddamn right he did. Um, now let me ask you guys a question. With the way the Rangers' current situation is at center, yeah. you have Zibanejad, you have Kevin Hayes, there's a potential for J.T. Miller, and Mijot Desjardins. Are you comfortable with that being your center depth going into the year? Michael, I'll put you on the spot first. Son of a bitch. Um, well, there's a lot of interesting folds to this right now. I think this is the biggest. Uh, it's this and what the hell is going to happen with that third defensive pair that are the only really big questions facing the, the Rangers lineup next season. Um, we know that uh, Jesper is going to be hurt for the start of the season and could miss about a month. And so that might mean that we see, you know, uh, Bunieves come up um, and be on that fourth line. And then maybe you have Dayarnay there in that third line center role. But there's also been a lot of talk, uh, including from Brooks, actually, people suggesting that um, 
Anderson might be that guy who's that bottom six center. Um, you know, the seventh overall pick put him in a role where he's not, he's not overwhelmed by the role and, uh, you can have him there for a little bit and then you can send him back to Sweden or whatever slide, you know, his con the, the first year of his entry. But, uh, there's definitely, there's definitely something that makes me nervous about it. Uh, I would, the problem is that there's, like we talked about it, I think a couple of weeks ago, it's like the, there's Winnick out there, right? Um, you already have Dayarnay as a guy who you can move him up in the lineup, but it's pretty clear that he's very he belongs in that sheltered role, and Winnick is by definition, you know, a depth center. He's a guy who you kind of want on your fourth line to be a very good fourth line center. Uh, he's not going to create offense and I think the identity of this Rangers team is that there is a third line that can generate offense that's was a big strength of the team last season um so I guess this is a roundabout way of saying you know saying a lot of words for a simple message is that I'd like to see (laughs) something else happen and or um I'm definitely starting to open my mind to letting Anderson have a kind of a shot here. I think he'll be 19 uh, by October. And, you know, he has experience playing with men. Um, He's definitely, you know, it's not going to be a smooth, beautiful transition for him, but there's a lot of encouraging signs about him and his game. I don't think he would hurt the team. I think the best place for him is, you know, either – continuing to develop in Sweden or even in in Hartford. But uh, the Rangers are really in an interesting spot right now because there's not as much cap space as most people seem to think there is. And even if there is some cap space there to play with, the market is super duper thin. And I'm also one of the people who's not really comfortable and convinced about Miller playing center just yet. Uh, Anyway, I'll kick it over to Beth. Uh, I'll start by agreeing with that about being comfortable about Miller at center yet. Um, I I am going to have to see how that plays out. I don't know, Mike, everything you said just reminded me of all the exciting stuff we could see in preseason um, and how great that was last year and – then thinking about how quickly all the great stuff from preseason fell apart. Um, yeah. Or like AB didn't see the things that we saw that we got happy about, like Adam Clendenning. Um, like Brandon Peary. So it's interesting. I, I think we're going to see some combinations, and it almost makes me worry about what I'm going to like because who knows if that will be what ends up happening. Um, I was trying to remember, I realized this is a little off. Time. Who was the first? Did, did Zibana Bushnevich got hurt before Mika broke his leg, right? Correct. And that was Bushnevich what broke up like, that line or AP Well, sort of. Bushnevich had the back injury, but even by the yeah. time he got the back injury, he sort of wasn't, the guy he he was already moved off of that line um i don't remember if Kreider got a little injury or not in the beginning i'm trying to think but it, it 
when Buchnevich got injured, once he came back, he it was over at that point. So, so that um, line was the most exciting thing in the NHL at the beginning, and then we never saw it again until God the postseason, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're not allowed like, to have nice things. No, apparently not. <laughs> So, yeah, I guess, I mean, what I'm saying is I'm not quite comfortable yet with what we have, but I think it's going to be a lot of fun to um, experiment. I just hope that uh, AB would do the experiments I'd want him to do and then would take the results that, or see the same things in the results that uh, the rest of us do, the rest of us here anyway. So. It's. It is hard to believe that that line wasn't together more, just considering the amount of success they had. And, and if the Rangers were blowing the doors off in the offensive category the second half of the year, they, the way they were in the first half of the year, it would have been a much different discussion as to why that didn't happen. But that was not the way that it went. The way that it went was that the Rangers weren't really scoring. Uh, by the end, Buchnevich couldn't even get into the, into the lineup. Um, there was a bunch of just different reasons for that to be the case. Um, Tanner Glass being one of them. And then at the end of the day, there was the playoffs where there was a bunch of the two of you have any idea how distracting it is for me to be in the middle of a point, trying to read what Mike wants to say with the filth of photos that you are sending. So here's the deal. As we continue to attempt to make the show better for you, Mike came up with a really good idea three weeks ago, which is, and you're going to think we're morons for not coming up with this in the first place. But he said, why don't we put a private DM group together in Twitter? This way I don't have to keep saying, Mike, you have a point or Beth, and we don't have to keep cutting each other off because it's very difficult to do this podcast when we're not in the same room together. So it's a great idea and it works out great today for whatever reason, Beth, and she can elect to tell you what she posted a picture of because I will not out her. But while Mike is telling me that he wants to add a point, which you can when I'm done, because at this point I've totally forgotten what I was even going to say, Beth <laughs> sends a, a gif of something that takes up the entire screen. And what is it, Beth? Um, it's, it's, a, it's a huge pink penis running down a path in what appears to be a forest. Okay, that's exactly what it is. And I'm not sure how I'm supposed to handle that. So, Mike, you can make whatever point it is you want to tag on, because I don't even remember what I was saying. Uh, yeah, uh, that is, it's a beautiful thing to watch that guy running through the woods, by the way. But um, I think it, Beth brings up a really great point, which is last season was, you know, the preseason is always important, but I think this upcoming preseason is going to hold a lot of importance because there are so many question marks about that fourth line and there are so many question marks about that third defensive pair. And frankly, you know, there's there's a good chance that if Holden isn't traded uh, by preseason, which I don't think is likely, but we'll see, he'll likely be playing for a roster spot because Beraglazov has that, you know, that that European exit clause. But more importantly, the point I wanted to raise is that I really wouldn't be surprised if we see some more. Uh, training camp invites of guys who just didn't get signed and, you know, maybe some guys who have some experience playing wing that are veteran guys Um, because the Rangers will, you know, they, they had so much depth that 
you know, to the point where it was unnecessary, bottom six depth last season. But it's it's one of those, it's like it's a good problem to have. The only downside of it was that, you know, we likely didn't get to see as much, you know, of Buchnevich as we would have liked. And, of course, you know, if you give Vino the wrong toys to play with, we get Tanner Glass back in the lineup. But there's really something to be said, I, I think, about, that job is there for someone to take it. And guys like Miller and, you know, Anderson, like they can make a big impression in preseason and take that job. And I think everyone has some doubts about Miller at center. And a lot of people are, you know, like, well, let's be careful not to take our seventh overall pick and throw him right into the lion's den. But, um, we need someone to play there. You know, someone's going to have to play in that role. And uh, it, it could just come down to who, you know, takes it for themselves. And, uh, you know, I don't know if it's Miller's kind of aspiration to play center in the NHL, but uh, I guess we'll see what happens. Yeah, I just wanted to add, Mike, I mean, you said uh, if you give Vigneault the wrong toys to play with, you end up with Tanner Glass in the lineup. If you give Vigneault the right toys to play with, you end up with Tanner Glass in the lineup. I mean, he, he <laughs> had other toys. <laughs> that was the one he picked out of the box. So, yeah, I, I, I realize we're, we're from all, for all intents and purposes, we don't have that problem anymore, but I think it's going to take us all a very long time to get over it. So, I don't even think it's a matter of giving him the right toys. I think it's the matter of not allowing him to have the option of a wrong decision. Like you, you can't have Tanner Glass and Girardi in the lineup. That's what it comes down to. In the beginning of the year, before Glass came back in, there were no wrong decisions at, uh, on the forward group. It was Pumple or Peary or Buchnevich or VC or whoever it was. No matter what he did, there may have been smarter decisions than others, but there was no really bad decision. And then Jeff Gordon allowed there to be a really, really bad decision, and Navy went after it. The encouraging part is the defense. There's really no – It. I, I would – even with all the AV nonsense, I would be shocked if Mark Stahl was a top four defender. I really would be with the way that that last year ended with the, the how hot his seat should be right now. I would be very surprised. Sounds like the Rangers are trying to trade Holden. My bet is they tried to trade Mark Stahl and they couldn't. I guess we can kind of we can move into the next part of the show, which is going to be about the defense. There is some smoke and I will reiterate that it is smoke, not necessarily something that you should take to the bank, that the Rangers are considering using the secondary buyout window on Mark Stahl. Now, if you're like me and you look at Dan Girardi being signed by Tampa Bay for two years, $6 million, you think to yourself, well, why couldn't the Rangers have possibly come up with a deal like that? just eating half the salary. And I think the years were the issue. Tampa probably didn't want the third year of Girardi that they wanted even the second year of Girardi. I have no idea, but that's, it's just the way that it is for stall. You have, what is he? Does he have five years left or four years left? 87. Yeah. I was just just looking at, at that before the show. Uh, (laughs) It feels that way. Doesn't it? Oh, well, I was just saying I heard you correctly. Yeah. He signed through the next four years. So after the 2020-21 season, he'll be a UFA. He so signed exactly it, as long as Shattenkirk. 
I find it hard to believe that other teams would want to take the risk on him for all those years is, is really the point that I'm getting at. So if that deal's not out there, you, you, there's going to be a lot of decisions to make on the defense regardless. Bear Glazoff has an out clause for the KHL. Neil Pionk, as Mike likes to call him. Um, well, that's Mike likes to call him that because, because that's his name, yeah. Uh, Neil Pionk, I don't think he's going to make the team, but he'll at the very least have an opportunity to. D'Angelo is sort of a wild card right now, but again, I would be absolutely floored if he did not make the team. You don't, there's just no way that the Rangers wouldn't have been high enough on him. You'd, you'd think they could have gotten a player for, for Stepan that would have been um, ready to go right now. But what happens? You know, there, there's so many question marks about where the Rangers are on defense right now. You know, Shattenkirk and McDonough are the top pair. You pray that Smith and Shea are the second pair. And then the question mark becomes, is it going to be D'Angelo Berglazov on the third pair? Is it going to be Stahl Holden on the third pair? What happens? And I don't really know where the Rangers are going to go in, in terms of it's Maybe it does depend on training camp. Maybe AV knows what he wants already. This is the first time in a very long time the New York Rangers defense has not been a weak spot on this team. So is he prepared to to kind of get a little crazy? And just for the, the people who are uh, in the chat room reminding me, I am well aware of Stahl and his no-movement clause. But I think if the Rangers sat Stahl down and said, you're going to be the eighth defenseman on this team sitting in the press box, or you will accept a trade someplace, it, it will change the way that it goes. Because I'm going to be completely honest with you, in the event that both Holden and Stahl are on this team next year, I don't see Stahl playing any games. Even if D'Angelo doesn't make the team, it, it, or, and again, that would be shocking, it would, you have to get by D'Angelo, you have to get by Holden, you have to get by Pionk, you have to get by Berglazov. Poink. There's that. There's depth on this defense that we've never, we have not had in a very, very, very long time. And I don't know what they're going to do. Mike, you know what they're going to do, or really the Oracle of Calamities knows what they're going to do. But Mike, I'll let you go first so that she could just figure out more gifts to post in the the friggin' thing. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's, it's, it's definitely, I need to go on the record with that. Yeah. I have been distracting me though. It makes me happy. Um, I found a, a gif of a bear eating ice cream, and that made my day. Uh, and Beth had one of a polar bear that's just dragging its face along the ground. Yeah, it's kind of like my spirit animal. I like that guy. Um, Joe, did you know that polar bears are the only land predator that actively hunt human beings? Uh, I did not know that. Well, there you go. There's your weird Mike animal fact for the day. I love polar bears. Um, We'll talk about them more at the end of the, the podcast when we lose our minds. Um, the the thing about that third pair that's so interesting to me, and it's a point that I I I have to it it does carry some weight. The fact that you know D'Angelo came back in that step on trade, and you know it's step on and Ranta for what became Anderson and D'Angelo. So clearly the Rangers organization is high on D'Angelo. He plays the right side. He has a lot of offensive upside. There's off the ice issues there, sure, but there's also 
a 21-year-old defenseman who, you know, is cost-controlled right now. And it's, I think in many ways it's kind of like it's his job to lose. Um, because if it doesn't work out, you know, they can put him right in the AHL and it's fine. Um, but I think the Rangers would like him to get that spot. The other spot in that third pair is a whole different animal, though. Um, and it's especially tied to what the hell happens with Holden. There's definitely the the pressure of what to do with Bear Glazov. Um, I think at, it's likely that, if nothing else, he'll be the seventh D. Um, and I, I believe that because the Rangers, if they cut him or you know, in camp and send him to Hartford, he'll just go back to the KHL. It's the same problem last year with Buchnevich, which is like, oh, just keep him around because the moment you you send him a message of like, yeah, you're not good enough, then he'll just he'll just bow out, and the Rangers might never see him again. Um, I think guys like Day and Pionk especially have a lot of work ahead of them to make the roster. And my gut tells me Stahl's going to be here just because, as the people in the chat room pointed out, again, like the no-movement clause is a big obstacle. The Rangers have until Friday, meaning tomorrow, to buy him out in the second buyout window, apparently. But the difference between buying Stahl out... I'm pretty sure the buyout window opens tomorrow. Yeah, it's a 48-hour window. Does it go Friday to Saturday? It it goes Friday to Sunday, I think. Oh, is it 72 hours? Yeah, I think it is. All right. Everywhere I've read, I've heard something different. But I I think people... Which means there's a 14% chance that it is totally accurate and a 900% chance that it is very wrong. Yeah, we should have Tony call in and tell us what the truth is. Um, he's though. But yeah, but the bottom line is, you know, regardless of whether or not it happened, like what the actual window is, the difference between buying stall out this season or this summer and next summer is like dramatically different in terms of how much it would hurt and frankly how long it would hurt. My gut tells me we will see something like Stahl D'Angelo as that third pair with Bear Glazov as that seventh guy. Um, I think if if we see Day or Pionk really, really impress, then things will get interesting. But that's why this preseason and training camp are going to be so exciting because we've talked about it a lot. That top four, Rangers D, is the best we've seen in a very, very long time. Um, I don't want to – I almost said something dramatic, but I, I don't want to get silly. Like How maybe the best we've seen – like the best we've seen since Leach was a Ranger. Um, oh my God! Just in terms so of the, the quality. Yeah, I know. I'm very dramatic. God, this whole time I'm watching person. this bear just just eat this ice cream to bits. Uh, mm. But that, that is a big deal to me because you have that there, but I don't think you can really spoil it by holding on to stall. But it all comes down to how Vino will use him because. Having Stahl there is is that, you know, the wrong toys in his hand thing like Beth and I were talking about. I think it's very hard for someone like Vino to look at a guy like Stahl who's, you know, been an alternate captain, been there for as long as he's been there, 
he's a guy who's respected around the league and yada, 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 the list goes on. Um, and not, and not want to play him on like the top penalty kill unit or, you know, give him a lot of shorthanded ice time. The game's tight in the third period to get stall on the ice as opposed to getting Brady Shea on the ice. And the sound that yeah. that made speaks volumes. It's a problem with, uh, with this coach that we need to see that change in him. But um, I don't think that change happens easily. I think that in a lot of ways you have to take those problems away from Vino because at the end of the day, he's a successful coach. He's not a terrible coach. He just has flaws that are very conspicuous to us because he's been around long enough for us to notice them. Anyway, I've been talking too long. Beth, say things. No, I mean, you got to, you pretty much got to where I was going, which is wondering, um, I mean, we keep talking as if Vigneault might realize that Stahl and Holden were the wrong pair to play in the last seconds of the season. Um, Whereas we're also seeing Gorton taking on a bigger role and then wondering, um, and also with Ruff's arrival and whatever, wondering if it was A.B. actually realizing that or Gorton coming in and saying, you know what, you can't have them anymore. They suck and everybody but you seems to know it. Um, And that, I think, is going to impart, I mean, yes, with all the respect to Stahl and a huge and important hockey family and an A, where where do you put that to so that it can do the least damage um or where do you put him so that he can do the least damage and then you realize you're having a really strange conversation right i mean that's what you do with like the lamp that you don't know what to do with that's yeah, not what but you, you can't do. throw away because aunt muriel exactly, gave it to you someone gave it to you and they come over once a year um that's not what you do with a with a guy who makes millions of dollars when you're trying to win hockey games. So they're coming. Yeah, for it's one a of it's you. a strange position to be in. It's Beth. <laughs> they're coming for Beth. They are coming yeah. for me. So, um, anyway, it, no idea how that's going to. It's funny how many question marks we have about the defense, even though, like Mike said, it's maybe the best defense since you know '94 the days of Brian Leach, because as much as you know what the top four is going to be, or I guess you could say, you know, the top pair, you hope you know what the top four is going to be. There's so many options on that third pair. And and the loyalty aspect of Mark Stahl is going to be the real question here. Do the Rangers have a loyalty to Mark Stahl? Do they have something where they say, you know what, this is just what it's going to be. Uh, We got to play him. We trust the guy, blah, blah, blah. Or is it going to be, Hey, Bear Glazoff and D'Angelo make the best pair to give us an opportunity to win. Because when you look at this team today versus what the team looked like a month ago, the Rangers have flip-flopped. They went from all this forward depth that they didn't know what to do with and the worst defense ever to now potentially the best defense ever and, oh, we don't have a ton of forward depth anymore. And you'd like to make – I would personally prefer what the Rangers have now because even with the loss of Derek Stepan, if you insert somebody who puts up 10 points a year and is a solid defensive effort at center, you have to assume Shattenkirk is going to make up the offense that Stepan's going to let leave in, in terms of Stepan to this mystery player who's going to put up 10 points a year and Shattenkirk versus Girardi, who he's, he's effectively replacing. 
So when you look at everything that the Rangers have going for them right now, and that includes Henrik Lundqvist being in the net, there's a lot there. But that third pairing is going to be very important because if you put an anchor on the third pair and AV uses the third pair like a second pair, you're going to be right back to square one. Maybe not as bad because you have McDonough and Shattenkirk, but you're going to be way behind where you need to be. And like Mike said, Vigneault is not a bad coach. I don't think anybody on this podcast has ever argued that he is a bad coach. But I do think we've made an argument as to whether or not he is the right coach. And that's an important question. The guy obviously has a lot of success. Nobody is taking that away from him. But I also think you can pretty clearly point to the success that Vigneault has had and say he had a in his prime Roberto Luongo and he had an in his prime Henrik Lundqvist. And that definitely colors in the photo a little bit. Maybe more than, maybe not a ton, but it definitely colors it in. So for me, yeah, this is great. What the Rangers have right now is great. What they're doing right now is great. But you need to make the right decisions. And Vigneault has shown uh, potential inability to, uh, to make the right decisions. Now, unless does anyone now, have any more comments on the defense? Uh, no, but I do, I do want to take a moment to say this. I really don't understand why this team, why Gorton didn't just qualify Peary. I think it's a it, really fair question. You, you have Peary. You know what he is. Uh, he can shoot, and guess what? He can play center. <laughs> you know, <laughs> Peary Dayarnay for your three-four center. That's that's fine. It's not. It's nothing to get really excited about, but it's fine. I don't know. Uh, and put him on waivers if it doesn't work, like the Josh Jorises of old. Right, or just send him down. The the Pumple won the race because the Rangers needed a a, a signee to make themselves expansion compliant and Pumple won the race. He signed his qualifying offer or whatever contract the Rangers offered him. And then the Rangers just told Peary to get out. But if Gordon knew he was going to trade Derek Stepan, there needed to be some type of a backup plan. And Anderson does not feel like a very smart backup plan. Um, Desjardins, I like the signing a lot. I think Desjardins could be a 40 point guy next year. I really do. But it, it almost, doesn't make sense to rush Anderson into a bottom six role unless he's that third line guy, because you do have expectations for him to have some offensive pop to his game. And you're not doing him a favor by shoehorning him into this defensive role on the fourth line. But Daniel Winnick is out there who, as a player that Mike mentioned last week. And he mentioned earlier today as well, there's opportunities here for the ring. I mean, you don't have to go out and get Duchesne. You can go out and trade a fourth-round pick for a depth center that you can just throw in and see what happens. So I don't know if the options are off the table, but I'm not sure the Rangers know exactly what they're looking at right now either. And I think the idea of, well, let's see if Anderson impresses us in camp doesn't really make a ton of sense because you've more than likely allowed a slew of opportunities to do something different pass you by. And when you really sit down and think about it, some of the best bargains you get on the free agency market happen in August. So maybe the Rangers are waiting, but how does Daniel Winnick not have a job? How does Yarmir Yager not have a job? How does Brandon Peary go to Switzerland? These guys should be on teams already. And you'd have to think if the Rangers were interested, now would be the time to strike, unless there's a bigger deal on the horizon. 
I can tell you confidently that the Bozak stuff is speculation. The, as of two weeks ago, the New York Rangers never, ever, ever, ever had discussions with Toronto about Bozak. I don't care what you've seen or where you've seen it. Trust me, it's not the case. Larry Brooks speculating the two sides might be looking for a deal does not insinuate that they're talking. It just means that it makes sense. And it almost doesn't make sense because, like Mike said, the Rangers don't have as much cap space as you think they do right now. Is Bozak an answer? He could be. He might be. But unless it's for just straight up Holden, I don't know if there's really anything going on there. You don't yeah, need that to doesn't do it off. either. Right. You need to In do something else. In terms of cap, it, other guys have to get moved. Maybe Stahl it's would want to go to uh, to Toronto. Toronto? Yeah. You don't know. Maybe don't he likes Canada. He's Canadian. Don't. Why would you? Why would you if get me excited? Said, well, if I said I was having one of my feelings about Bozak, would you want to know about it or no? Yes. No, that's just it. W- what's just it? <laughs> I may your... be seeing my oracular. Well, see, Joe, it's a good thing, so you won't believe I can actually see it. What is it? I would think if we see Bozak as a ranger, are, are we? I don't know quite how I feel about it yet, though, but it is coming to me. I'm just going to be that, an oracle. I like that. But it, it's, you're not Something an oracle. You're an oracle of calamities. Yeah, you have a full title, Beth. You can't only have part yeah, of your You're title. not allowed to you're the, the oracle, oracle of calamities. Calamity. Wait, so does that mean, but I don't know. Mike, you sort of thought that would be a good thing, though, right? What, Bozak? I mean, come on. Yeah. Beth is looking for know. help anywhere it, she can get it right now. Yeah. On paper, he'd be a really, really solid option for a third-line center. The problem with Bozak is that his contract is not great. It does only have one year left on it, but that kind of also robs from, like, why the Rangers the would be interested. Um, yeah. But, you know, it's it's a $4.2 million cap hit for a 31-year-old. Um, right. And... You know, he's – I don't even know what he did last season. I haven't taken a sharp look. You know, 55 points on that resurgent Toronto team. But, you know, the year before that he, he was banged up. But he's right in the neighborhood of being like a a 50-55 point guy. The problem here is that the Rangers would have to do more than Holden. Don't forget Holden's cap hit is like 1.625 or something. It's it's not very yeah. significant. Yeah. So the problem here is like, oh, Toronto might be interested in that trade at face value, really just to get away from, you know, from the cap hit that Bozak carries. But there's also the issue of the Rangers can't really make that swing. And that would mean adding all these other pieces. And I think once you start getting into that realm of like, oh, that's, you know, you could do this and move this guy for that. Then it's like, oh, well, this isn't the simple solution that some people like to think it is, is it? Is the, the Rangers yeah. need to carry 8D. I'm sorry, 7D. You need to have your backup D, and then you need to have your extra forward or two. And by default, at the beginning of the season, the Rangers are going to need to carry 14 forwards because 
Jesper can't play for the first month. So he's just going to be there. Um, and everything I've read suggests that he won't be put on the LTIR. And the other weird yeah. thing about the LTIR is it, it adds to the cap. Like, what is it, Joe? It Like, it adds to the cap. It doesn't. It's not like the money goes away. It's it's, it's bizarre. Um, um, so if a player goes onto the long-term injury reserve, and they cost yeah. like seven million dollars, say you put a player with a seven million dollar cap hit on there, you can replace them with a player who's making an equal or less amount of money. But that's all you can do. So if you replace him with like a one million dollar player, that's it. It's not like it's just free space. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, but I mean, on paper, Bozak would be a perfectly good option for that spot. He's just a sheltered third line center. It just in the the cap world is where things get kind of screwy. But yeah, he is one of those guys that people keep bringing up because he seems a lot more realistic than you know a blockbuster Matt Duchesne trade, and it's also like oh. Bozek could be had because really he could be, but the Rangers need, you know, a couple more million in cap space to make anything happen. Make it happen. Happen right now. Oh my God. Which is why I would really not be surprised if we do see Anderson there in that third line center spot. Although. And I I wouldn't hate it. I would not hate that. No, I wouldn't either. But it has to be the third line spot. It cannot be this fourth line defensive. We're going to shove you in here and hope you fit type of thing. No, not where he plays like nine minutes of even strength hockey a night. He's not going to develop if we do that, and that's a terrible thing to do with a seventh overall pick. It doesn't make any sense to do that. But maybe the worst thing. I don't know, but the. Uh... The other thing I wanted to ask you guys before the podcast, I actually tried to look up the answer, but I couldn't find it, is when was the last time a teenager played for the Rangers? Oh, that's a, did you look it up or did you say you did not look it up? No, yeah, I, I couldn't find it. I, I didn't have enough time. But Wait, I, someone was no 19 one... recently. Duclair, right? Oh, Duclair is a great answer. Oh, you know what? Beth, Beth is right. wins. Probably Duclair. Beth wins. The Try Oracle Calamity. Down. Rejected it out of your face. Not in her house. Um, in a nice way, though. And Philip. It was a question. Keitel? Philip Keitel? We've realized that we've been saying his name wrong. Keitel is not correct. It's We're never going to say it right. But it's not, it's not Czech enough. It, it needs to be like Keitel. Keitel? Yeah. Keitel. If you go to EliteProspects.com and you go to his player profile page, there's a little uh, like uh, audio clip next to a lot of players' names on how to say their name correctly so you don't sound like an idiot. And uh, Joe and I spent about three minutes before this show trying to do it, and neither of us can do it. So I'm just going to tell him, Philip. I know the answer to the question. Mm. I know how to do this. Mentally, I heard it. I just don't. It doesn't. It's not working. That's all. Yeah, I can't. I can't make this. Heitel. Heitel. 
Hi- what were we? Oh, I was going to say he's going to be the next teenager to play for the Rangers, unless it's Anderson, but he's younger than Anderson, so woohoo. Um, we were going to talk about Heitel. Heitel. I'm just going to call him Keitel. Yeah, whatever. Um, who, that's right, folks, this is what we're asking you to pay for this hard hitting analysis where we can totally pronounce New York Rangers players' names and not mess it up. We talk about um, running penis. Yes, running penis. Uh, he played in two games overseas in the under, what is it, the under 20, like, show-off tournament, basically. Oh, God, what the hell is it called? Mike, you um, knew this before. That's why I'm deferring to you here, and you failed me. It is the the 2017 World Junior Summer Showcase. There it is. Mike failed me, but made up for it, sort of. I think. Um but no, so, it's definitely not that. Never mind. Uh, I'm okay. wrong. You know what? You this entire podcast has been ruined. Um, two I games, don't know. two goals, some filthy dangles. Set up a couple of good chances that didn't get finished. Um, really, I think I have a funny feeling Keitel's going to open up a lot of eyes this year, just because of the fact that he's going to be a little bit more comfortable. Well, well, who knows? There's some rumors. The fourth period is reporting that he he's severely. Not severely is not the right word, but um, deeply considering coming over to the United States for either juniors um, or playing in the AHL. I have to say I would be absolutely floored if he played in the junior leagues. I think he was drafted in the WHL. It just doesn't – it does not make a sense. It doesn't make any sense at all. He can play top minutes for a men's league or he can play top minutes for a junior league and he's playing the men's What is the thing? It was games between Finland and the Czech Republic for the U-20 teams. The U-20 teams. 20 teams of you. Um, I would be shocked. Tarmo, Rudin, and, and Keitel were both in them. Shocked to see him come over here. I, I'd like to see him remain in the Czech Republic where he can play um, big minutes against men and continue. But don't forget, this was a kid that's 17 years old last year. He's going to be 18 18- at some point when this year begins and it's going to be, I think we're going to see a real explosion from him. And I have a very funny feeling that he would be a top 10 pick next year, if not higher based off of, I think he was 10 days early for the, um, for being eligible for the 2018 draft. So he was one of the youngest prospects in the pool this year. There's, there's a lot there for him. There really is. And I'm really excited to see him and everything we've seen from him. He was a guy when he was drafted, everybody was like, what the hell? But this was a great, great pick by the Rangers. As, as I risk, as they went, I risk power award. Right. As, as safe as they went with Anderson to make sure that they walked away with something in the first round, this is exactly, it's exactly the type of risk that you take at the tail end of the first round. And he just looks... He looks spectacular. Uh, just yeah, his awesome. hands look so good. He has such soft hands. He could be a hand model. Ooh, that's right. Um, oh, we used we used Alex Nunn, who is the uh, Blue Shirt Banter foreign correspondent. You should probably be following him, AJ underscore Ranger, to figure out what the games yeah. are. He is the uh, he actually knows what he's talking about with these prospects. He does. He's very smart. So does Adam, who is in the midst of his, uh, he's in the, in the midst of his final prospect rankings for the year. So, curious to see where yeah, Anderson that, and Keitel and, and whatnot show up. Go ahead, Mike. That is Adam's work is, I consider to be must-read stuff, especially for the summer for Rangers fans who are trying to catch up on 
especially it's I think it's especially relevant this summer because of the huge overhaul that we're seeing and kind of seeing, you know, develop with Hartford and everything. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of guys who left the Rangers farm system and there's a lot of guys who just joined it, you know, including, you know, the, uh, Georgie of the, the goalie who the Rangers just signed. So there's, there's a lot to keep track of. And obviously when the hell's the last time the Rangers had two picks in the first round to talk about, uh, it's that's a, a series of articles that everyone should one. Yeah, it's a, definitely worth your time to check those ones out. Yeah, read them. We have a lot of good content on Blue Shirt Banter. We do a lot of good content. Some of the best content. Um, I think we do. Oh, Mike thinks so, and Mike is probably the most honest person here. He really is. I lie like yeah. a rug. Yeah, Beth is not honest at all. No, she just brings calamity. The I'm Oracle 50. of Calamities. I like how she tried to get away with just referring to herself as the Oracle. Yeah. <laughs> you're not allowed That's to That's what just the lady change... from the Matrix is called, Beth. Right. You're not allowed to just change the rules Fine. because you you want You to. know what? I'll change my I'll change my Twitter handle to that right now as we speak. Oracle of Calamities. I'm impressed that you know how to spell calamities. Anyway, she so here we English. go. That's a fair point. She does teach English for a university, which I thought yes, she was a high a school, school teacher. At one thank point. you. Not yeah. that there's anything wrong with that. God, Beth has just insulted every high school teacher in the in the country. So are you are you a professor, Beth? Yes. Should I'm it Dr. Be professor Beth, Oracle of Calamities. I should be Doctor oh. Oracle of Calamities. I like that. Oracle Calamity. Although I kind of wish that you were a professor, because then you could be a Hogwarts professor in my head. Well, I mean, you could call me that, too. But I think official I'm gonna titles... Call you and... Beth. Yeah, alright, mm. fine. Professor Calamity would be nice. I'd watch that show. <laughs> professor of Calamity sounds, sounds like, like a like a supervillain. Oracle of Calamity does sound like a... is necessary because you're foretelling something. Well, you guys know who Cassandra is, right? Except I'm not Cassandra. You, you guys know who Cassandra is? I shall I teach no you about Cassandra. About. Right. No, it, I don't it, know. It, it's, a, it's a classical myth. Cassandra was cursed with, her curse was that she would always tell the truth, but nobody would believe her. Oh. What is this from? But you guys usually believe me. Classical it's like myth. a classical myth. You know, Romans, Greeks, all that. I think it's Roman. It's a it's a it's a pretty bad curse though. They were good at curses. Hmm. Mm. They were pretty good at at curses. I know that that's Zeus took rolling the, form the rock of a up bull. the hill and then it gets knocked down and you it, then you got to roll it up again. That's a that's a good curse. Yeah, I know that Zeus took the form of a bull and banged some lady. That happened. He did. I'm, I'm sorry. I was very into Greek mythology as a child. I don't ever remember that story. That's because you didn't read the, the good best. stories. Well, I guess not. I wasn't allowed to because I was just a young lad who wasn't tainted by the idea of Zeus becoming a bull to have sex with some woman. Oh, there were rapey swans, too. Yeah. Everybody's always into things to, to, to attack other things. I yeah, know about because... the, the nymphs. It, it's funny. When you think about the concept yeah. of a deity, Theaters everybody, all, all the different, all the different uh, 
I guess, I don't even know what you would refer to them as. Dynasties had different types of deities. Dynasties. And the, the, the Greek, the Greek beliefs, the, the gods were very human. Like they would have sex. They would cheat on their wives all the time. They would just destroy shit. They didn't care. They'd get drunk and just like destroy some mountain. Whose ringtone was that? And really, that was mine. That's your ringtone? None of this like flooding the whole world. Yeah. Instead, this bird is going to peck out your liver for the rest of eternity. Uh, I mean, that's that true. Suck. Or the you know what the you know the one that scares me the most, and I don't remember his name. It's the guy that's um, has a like fire hot thirst, and he's chin deep in cool water. And every time he dips his head to try to take a drink, the water recedes, and he can't get to it. Ooh, I don't remember him. No. He's in the story of, um, so just to let you all know, I'm going to, I'm going to show off some Greek mythology right now. So the God of the world is Hades, right? So they, in Mm -hmm. the stories that I read, Zeus, Poseidon, and Hades all like drew straws or played dice or whatever. Zeus won and he picked the sky. Poseidon was next and he picked the sea as his kingdom. So Hades had to pick the underworld. So after Hades picks the underworld, um, I don't, if it's like, maybe it's Aphrodite's daughter or someone like the goddess of like basically mother nature um, goes, Hades steals her and she eats six pomegranate seeds. And that's why she has to stay in, she has to stay in the underworld for Persephone. six months. What? Persephone. Yes. Go and on. she has to stay in the underworld for six months, and that was why they deemed that winter would last for six months, whatever. So in this story, a, a, a guy's wife dies, and he's an unbelievable instrument player. I don't know what the instrument is. I'm just going to say it's the lute. He's an unbelievable lute player. So he plays his way um, onto the three-headed dog, Cerberus, right? He gets past Cerberus. Yeah. He gets the Dockman takes him to the underworld. He plays and nobody kills him. And when Hades is about to kill him, he plays the lute and Persephone or whatever Beth said her name was. She's moved by the um, she's moved by him playing the lute, and she allows him. To I believe take, it was the leader. It, it may have been. She allows him to take his wife back, so long as he does not look back. He has to trust. He has to play the lute all the way out out of the underworld. And if he does not look back and he trusts that his wife is going to be there, he gets to keep her. And like two steps away from being out of the world, he turns around and she's there and then she disappears because he broke the rules and he loses her forever. However, before Persephone or whatever Beth said, before she eats eats the pomegranate seeds, she sees the guy in the water and she gives him water. She cups her hands and allows him to drink from it. And it only makes it worse because now he knows what the water tastes like and he's still deathly thirsty. And that's the only reason why I remember uh, that. So there you go. Bang. That is your Greek mythology history brought to you by Bantering the Blue Shirts. Patreon.com slash Blue Shirt Banter. <laughs> Joe is out. Boom. Boom. Mythology drop. See? Look at that. That, that, was, that, was, that I that used was to a... love Greek mythology. I loved Apollo. I thought he was awesome. Just like destroying the oh, he was the sun, just doing all kinds of crazy shit. That would have been awesome. Uh, Nobody's killed this podcast. What'd you say? Killed it. Nothing. Don't worry. You just saved it. I, I, I hate you so much right now. You have no idea. You have insulted me. 
and Apollo and Poseidon and <laughs> Zeus and Hades. That's fine. Um, all right. Something else you want to talk about? I prefer Norse mythology. It's a lot more metal. You would like that, wouldn't you? Yeah, I would. Don't have Magnus Helberg anymore. I didn't particularly care for for his hockey, but he had a great name. Yeah, he went to the Chinese team in in Russia. That's a confusing sentence. The uh, what are they? The Red Dragons? Uh, yes. Or is that the women's team? Or are they the, the Red women's Star? is Kun, Kunlun Red Star? Yeah, they're the Red Star. I forget the name of the. I believe it's also Kunlun. I don't know. I'm, I write mm-hmm. about hockey and I get paid for it, so that tells you the sort of quality that comes out of me. Tells you all they you have need a name. To know. It's in it's a it's in China and it's in the KHL. What more can you What more can you ask for? I don't think much of anything, to be completely honest with you. Not a damn You're thing. still bitter about that whole mythology thing. No, I'm not. I'm over it because you've you've betrayed me too many times for me to allow myself to get hurt by you. I will say though the Ooh. the national the national women's hockey league expanding to China. Is it them the or the CWHL? It's the CWHL. Yeah, the CWHL is expanding into China. The CWHL expanding to China is such a it's such a smart move. Like the men could learn something from the women here. China is a market that is ripe for the picking. It really is. There, there's enough knowledge about hockey over there. There's enough people who are, who are interested in it that <laughs> you just you got to make the jump. And the women are smarter than you, and they went over there, and now you need to go over there and market it. Do it. Hire me. Hire me. Well, the NHL Hire is me playing games in China, I think. What'd you say? I think the NHL is playing games in China. Yeah, but the NHL is awful at marketing itself. They may be the worst marketing, like self-marketing league that exists. Completely. Did you hear the the fun Brady Shea answering, or I should say Brad Chase answering the uh, the questions from the baby baby ranger kids? And they asked Brady Shea who his best friend on the Rangers is, and he said Booch, and it made me sad. Oh, my God. But that proves that you don't need to speak a common language to have a friendship. Well, and it's funny because who remembers what their first interaction was with one another? Oh, there's pictures. Yelling at him and giving him... Yes, Booch yelling at him after he scored a a goal in the uh, under-20s world championship, the World Juniors. So it's good to see that they've come a long way. There's hope for all of us. There is hope for all of us, including you and Beth, who have betrayed me so many times, I don't even know what to do about it. So many times. Listen, you told a half-baked Greek mythology story that was was mispronunciation. It was fully baked. (laughs) It was as baked as it comes. There is no way that it was like true to the actual story. You could barely oh say the word. Pers- no. Okay. Like, so I didn't, know, I didn't know her name, Stephanie, and I apologize. I, I apologize that I did not know her name. But every other piece of that story is as accurate as it could possibly be. 
He had like a, a Fender Stratocaster or something. And uh He was a hell of a lutist, okay? Oh yeah. right. The loot the loot may have been off as well, but everything else about that except for her name and the loot was just it's I can't even you you're basically you lived that existence because of how accurate my story was. Oh damn. Now it made me remember an old HBO series where they had the Greek myths and like these weird little live action vignettes. Okay. Yeah, they did a better yeah, job than thought. Yeah. <laughs> See, here I thought you were going to tell a story, and said you've insulted me. It's still a story. It's a story of Mike insulting you. That's all. See, my my curse will be that that giant pink schlong chasing you for the rest of your life that I posted the <laughs> gif of. Just everywhere you look, it'll be like hurtling down the street at you. Is this what galloping you want? Along. You want the galloping oh, no, but I, schlong? I, I'm saying that would be a really bad curse, wouldn't it? It's that would be a terrible I'm Greek curse. Yeah. It seems it to be traumatize Joe, so I mean, it's already what? working in a way. Okay. That Dude. that gift seemed to to disturb you deeply. Mm. Well, wasn't it? It's disturbing. It's just that I'm in the middle of trying to come up with some type of a thought, and then I have to see that. <coughs> it was funny. Maybe I'll share it with you all sometime. Maybe you will. Maybe you will. Joe. Okay. Yes. Who are the Rangers' third defensive pair for the first game of the regular season? Ooh. Stall D'Angelo. Ooh. Beth? D'Angelo, guy whose name begins with a B that I can't pronounce yet. Bear glaze off. Bear glaze. You, you yes. glaze up bears the way that you butter ducks. Exactly. Glazed bears. That's what I want it to be. I want it to be Bear Glazoff and D'Angelo, but I just don't think it's gonna it's gonna happen. I need to show you guys that I can be an oracle of something other than calamity. No, that's why your name <laughs> is the Oracle of Calamities. If you do other oracling, then we'll have to extend your title and then it gets a little wordy. <laughs> it won't even fit on your business card or that little like uh, plaquette thing that people have in their desks. Yeah, or my door, sure. Mike, what do you think? I think it's D'Angelo's job to lose, like I said before, so I think it'll be him and Stahl just because you said it a couple podcasts ago, right, Joe, that there's just the Rangers aren't going to sit Stall in the press box if he's 5.7 million. You know, you just, it's a very, very tough pill to swallow. Uh, so, yeah. I think it'll be yeah. Stall, D'Angelo. I don't want Mike, it to be Stall, D'Angelo. Mike has once again ruined the, the mood of the podcast. I would like it to be Poink and Bugs Bunny. Poink. Pioink. Pionk. Pionk. You know what? I want Please. Poink and Pedri. Vince Pedri. Don't, don't you? Because that makes me think of Petri from Land Before Time. So that's who I want. Hmm. 
Well, this podcast has gone totally off the rails. My you name is Joseph. I will, I will, are there rails? Yeah, there are rails. See, we're so far off the rails, Beth forgot that we were even on rails in the first place. She puts the rails down. She's the oracle. She, You know what? <sighs> Damn it, Mike. You're giving me too point. much work. My oracleness is like a part-time work? job. No, there's no, no work. Possibility yes. thing. It just happens. It's like how we all produce carbon dioxide. We don't do it with intention. We just do it. Gosh. Uh, the rail started like work. Sounded like work. <laughs> well, yeah, rail, the railroads were not fun. I'm pretty sure a lot of people died making them. No, they were not fun at all. There were since we were speaking of the Chinese, they utilized the Chinese to just blow the shit up out of like the mountains and many of them died yet somehow the inventor of dynamite won a Nobel Peace Prize what the hell is this Joe podcast is about coming up with the stuff tonight that's right what I bet none of you knew that bang I did know that oh my god I you did not oh my well I am you by the laws the, I knew about the Chinese and the railroads I didn't know about the dynamite by the laws of teaching I am now a professor at NYU I bested oh, Beth oh. in mental combat. So yeah, I want all of your papers done tomorrow on why I am the greatest teacher of all time. Yeah, because that's what they write on usually. Um, Persu- and Persufion. Yes, and I want <laughs> all of you to tell me what her name is so that I know and can remember. Persufion. My paper is going to be called Persufion and Joe's going to be elbow deep in baby poop in five months. That's what okay, we keep pod- having to remember. This podcast is history a turn. Mythology's greatest loot players, greatest loot hit. The greatest lootist of all time. He played that son of a bitch absolute- like nobody else. The absolute greatest loot. Yeah, he he was he looted so hard. <laughs> oh my. Okay, I have to go now. Patreon.com slash Blue Shirt Banter. Donate to make this more this. Come on. No other <laughs> podcast is this much fun. They're probably um, podcast better than this. Not for us. The absolutist anyway. greatest lutist. Done. Uh, Twitter.com slash Beth Macklin. Twitter.com slash DigDeepBSB. You can also find him as the lead female hockey writer on FanRag Sports. Don't know why I'm talking like that. Um, blue shirt banter for me <laughs> anywhere. I'd like to know what's so funny, Michael. I just like when you question yourself and you get going. That happens more often than you know. I'm very proud okay. of you. Goodbye, everybody. Beth is a whale. You're a beautiful boy. You're a beautiful Good young night. boy. I love you so much. Time to go. Goodbye.